Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is co-host TJ Inman. And we are diving into the wide world of sports betting, just like Iowa and Iowa State. But we should be better than the head base, former head baseball coach at Alabama uh, on this. Uh, today, we'll be looking at the win totals for the Big Ten West. We'll do the Big Ten East at another date um, down the road. Uh, so how this will work, we'll go through the teams alphabetically, starting with Illinois, ending with Wisconsin. We'll go uh, give you the odds, whether or not they're going to hit uh, the odds for the over, the odds for the under, and then whether or not we think uh, they'll hit it, they'll hit um, and go through their schedule a little bit. So it's kind of a preview. It's also uh, kind of giving us, uh, giving your, our opinion on how, um, how we look into to betting the season sports betting it's not going away it's it's becoming legal in more and more places and um you know bet responsibly as always uh you know it, it's i do it for fun um not to to make a living off of but um it, it's it it is a way to enhance your viewing experience and it's become a big part of the culture of, of college football. But anyway, TJ, uh, welcome back. Uh, how are you doing? Doing great. Yeah, definitely excited to uh, talk about football and, uh, you know, looking through uh, preview stuff, you know, this just a little, little taste uh, to get everybody juiced for the, the coming season. I know that this always does it for me, kind of going through um the different divisions conferences uh just taking stock of all that changed which has become more difficult uh with the transfer portal you know the incomings and outgoings um has a larger impact now than it has previously with the transfer portal um teams fortunes can change uh, somewhat quickly if if they do really well or do really poor in that market um, so, you know, it, it's a little bit of a different evaluation process and a, uh, a bit more of a crapshoot, I think, just because there's so many unknowns with how players are going to fit in new spots or what certain subtractions from a roster are going to mean for that coming season. Um, but I, I think that it's, like you said, this is a fun way to kind of preview uh, but also give a little bit of opinion on, um, you know, this week, the Big Ten West, kind of what that division is going to look like. It's the last time we're going to preview this particular division as the uh, divisions will be going by the wayside. So kind of a farewell to our to the Big Ten West, which is something neither one of us are going to be sad about. Nope. Farewell. Goodbye. Au revoir. See you later. See you never. Thank God the divisions are gone. Um, but right. let's start. 
let's start with Illinois. Illinois over under is set at six and a half. Uh, you get minus 120 on the over, plus 100 on the under. Uh, looking at Illinois' schedule, the, in the non-conference, they get Toledo at Kansas and Florida Atlantic at home. So Toledo and Florida Atlantic at home at Kansas. The draw in the East, I always look at non-conference schedules, and especially in the Big Ten, who you draw out of the the other division, uh, you know, when, I, when I'm making um, – you know, bets, future bets like this. Out of the East, Illinois draws Penn State. They get them at home. They draw Indiana. They get the Hoosiers at home. And they have to go to Maryland. It's not the worst draw. It's not the best draw. Uh, you think that worst case scenario, they're going to go one and two, maybe 0 oh and three, but one and two, losing to Penn State and at Maryland. Um the non-conference schedule, TJ, I, that, that game at Kansas is tricky. It's a Friday night game. Uh, Kansas, when yeah. they have uh, Jalen Daniels back, uh, is dangerous. Um, you know, Illinois loses a defensive coordinator. They lose a lot of defensive talent in that secondary as well uh, to the NFL. Exactly. Um, and then you break in a new quarterback with Luke Altmyer as well. Will Illinois be ready for that? And I wouldn't look, overlook the Toledo Rockets um, either. They're a tough MAC team. Uh, you'd think, okay, they'll beat Toledo. They'll beat Florida Atlantic. That's two, two and one. If they they beat Maryland and Indiana, that's two and one there with four wins. Um, you know, you get Wisconsin at home. You get Nebraska at home. You have to go to Purdue. You have to go to Minnesota. You have to go to Kinnick. Um, and you get Northwestern at home. You could throw Northwestern on the wind pile, which puts you at five. And that means Illinois has to win, uh, you know, two of Nebraska, Wisconsin, Purdue, Minnesota, and at Iowa. Um I think it'll be close. There's a lot of unknowns in the West, especially with Luke Fickle coming into Wisconsin uh, and Ryan Walters at Purdue. Uh, what's your take on um, what's your take on Illinois? Can they get to seven wins? Yeah. So the overview of Illinois for me is Brett Bielema has absolutely improved that program. He has raised the floor of that program. I'm not sure how much the ceiling has been raised, um, but the floor has definitely been raised by Brett Bielema. Uh, now, at the very minimum, you know Illinois is going to be competent. Um, that could not have been said for a few years. Under Bielema, they're going to be competent. They're going to be solid. Um, they're going to be difficult to beat. I I'm not sure how they're going to replace the secondary talent that they lost. Um, I, I, you know, you're talking about three or four NFL players gone from that secondary. Yep. Um, Illinois is not at a place where they can rebuild or reload easily from that type of talent drain. Uh, defensive line, I think, is pretty good. Offensive line is going to be good under Bielema. They, they just are. Um, at minimum, they've got two guys that are probably NFL players uh, in the near future on that offensive line. So that's going to be pretty good. Chase Brown, 
big loss on the offensive side of the ball for them. It's an offense that did not produce big plays at all. Uh, really struggled there. And they also kind of struggled in the red zone as well. Um, yeah. I think you look at it one of two ways. You just say, well, if they can improve that red zone efficiency, they could be really scary. And that's true, but I don't see what's been brought in that would lead you to believe that that red zone efficiency or the explosion of the offense is going to increase. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a very good passing game. Again, I don't really like their wide receivers. Uh, so I, I'm going to go with Illinois under. Um, I, I think they certainly can get to seven wins. You're right, that Kansas game, uh, that's a big one. Uh, you're, you're starting to add up. Okay, Toledo's a win. Florida Atlantic is a win. Um, that's Northwestern at home, I would say, is, is a, a one you write down in pen as a W. After that, it, it does get in the toss-up territory on a number of games. I think you would certainly favor Illinois at home against our Hoosiers. So you're looking at four right there. Yep. Kansas, definite toss-up. At Purdue, toss-up. Nebraska, toss-up. At Maryland, toss-up. Uh, they're going to be underdogs against Wisconsin. At Minnesota is probably a toss-up. At Iowa, uh, and then Penn State. So the draw is not bad, but it just leaves a lot of toss-up there. Uh, and I'm going to lean towards the under. It's not a play that I feel particularly, uh, particularly confident about. But I think that rebuilding that secondary is going to be too big of a, of a, a hill to climb to feel confident about Illinois going anything better than six and six. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Any good, good value at plus 100 on the under as well. Um, right. Let's move on to Iowa. Iowa's over under is set at seven and a half. And no, that's not points per game. That is wins for the season. Um, although watching their points right, per game right. is going to be probably the most interesting thing. They bring in Cade McNamara um, from, from Michigan to, uh, you know, hopefully for Iowa's sake, reignite that offense. Um, the defense is always going to be phenomenal under Kurt Ferentz. They get a pretty, um, pretty manageable non-conference. You get Utah State at home at Iowa State which Iowa has dominated that series recently. Iowa State won last year, but Iowa has beaten some of the better Iowa State teams in recent memory. You get Western Michigan, and then again, you look at the crossovers. You go to Penn State, you get Michigan State at home, and you get Rutgers. You would think that's two and one. You, you beat Michigan State at home, you beat Rutgers at home, uh, and you lose at Penn State. You get Purdue at home. You have to go to Wisconsin. You get Minnesota at home, Illinois at home as well. Uh, Northwestern, you play at Wrigley Field in Chicago. Uh, and you get have to go to Nebraska. Seven and a half. Um, kind of high, maybe. Um, it's just the West. If Iowa's offense is anything – what awful, I think they get 
they finish with eight wins. You get a lot of these matchup games at home, uh, like Minnesota, Purdue, Michigan State, um, and Illinois. And if you and Iowa is so tough at home that you think they win those, that's that's four. You you count Northwestern, you you say they win there. That's five, and uh, you go seven with the two Utah State and Western Michigan wins with toss up at Iowa State, which would put you to eight. I I, I really think that th- this is a good number for Iowa. The over is minus 165. The under um, is at plus 140. So the over is a kind of heavy favorite here uh, as well. They're expecting Iowa's offense to be much better. What's your take on Iowa, TJ? It scares me to say this, but I think Iowa's going to be good. Um, and I, I would, if I were betting on the Hawkeyes, I would go over. I'm not going to because that minus 165 number, that is so juiced that I don't think it makes any sense to really play it. Um, if you felt confident about Iowa, I would probably buy the extra half game and get to eight um, and pick over eight. You're going to get a lot better you know, a lot better uh, odds there. I don't know what that bumps it down to, but probably something closer to even um, if you were to bump it to minus eight instead of minus seven and a half. Um, I, I just, I feel like Iowa is going to be improved on offense. Uh, Kate McNamara is certainly better than what they've had at quarterback. I think that they will open it up a little bit. Um, it's still going to be, not very pleasing to watch, uh, but I would take the Hawkeyes because I think that defense is going to be outstanding. I think that they are well coached. I think that they typically don't beat themselves. And I like the matchups that they have in terms of road home splits. Uh, the only one that I, I wish was at home that's on the road is at Wisconsin. I wish that they were playing uh, the Badgers at home, and then maybe you get, you know, go to Rutgers or something like that uh, instead. But, um, you know, your, your quote, matchup games are mostly at home. Purdue, Michigan State, Minnesota, Illinois, Northwestern's on a neutral field at Wrigley. The, the, the games that I feel like they're probably not going to win that one anyway is Penn State. And they play them at Penn State. So I like the way it sets up for Iowa to get to eight wins, possibly nine wins. I could see Iowa getting to nine if Kate McNamara can have himself a decent to solid year. Uh, I I have to give Perference credit in the sense that they continue to be exactly who they are. They have a very clear identity, and they continue to produce really good defensive players. Um, the obvious issue is that the offense is painfully old school without being effective. It'd be one thing if they were a more traditional offense, if you will, and were putting up you know mid-20s in terms of points per game, 
had great time of possession statistics, uh, and it really was complementary to what their defense does. That's not been what the Hawkeyes offense has been the past couple of years. It has been detrimental to their success because of how conservative, uh, vanilla, and boring the offense has been. Um, I think that that changes just a tiny bit this year, and that's enough for me to feel good about getting them at eight and four, maybe nine and three. Yeah, there's a lot of nonsense going on at Iowa, too. Garrett Barta stepped down. There's all these scandals with him and, you know, settlements uh, for, you know, like sexual misconduct or um, workplace harassment, stuff like that, Um, just a toxic work environment. And then you have, you know, the, the points watch, I think, they put in Brian Fair, I think it was 23 points. So you're going to be on points watch for Iowa to see if he, if Brian Ferentz comes back as offensive coordinator it is, you know, if Iowa's winning games, but at 17 points per game um, towards the end of the season, are you going to, is that going to start taking over the focus of it? Uh, I probably would not touch this just because of, all the stuff surrounding it, you're going to have a new AD coming in. Um, you have all the Brian Ferentz stuff. Uh, it, it's, and, and, you know, Iowa's offensive line wasn't that good last year. And that, that was really the problem. I mean, the, the quarterback um, was not great either, but, you know, if they're not protecting Cade McNamara, we, we've seen it before, TJ, with IU. If you can't protect the quarterback, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is. It's not going to work. Um, and so I, I probably wouldn't touch it. it. There's no value to me to bet over, which is what I would lean, but I wouldn't touch it. Um, you know, if I'm betting right. for value, yeah, but because they have a pretty easy non-conference schedule, they have a pre- pretty easy crossover schedule, and, and Kinnick is a tough place to play, and Iowa is a lead on defense. Yeah, they're probably going to go eight and four. But if they go seven and five, you know, you're losing your bet for no real, real value. Let's move on to Minnesota. Um, the Gophers over under is set at six and a half, which just off the first look at it, I think is low. But when you look into the history of Minnesota under PJ Fleck, they've had some really, really good teams, but it always seems like they underachieve and lose at the at the worst time. Um, you know, the year they beat Penn State, I think that was 20, 2019. They never, they didn't make it to the Big Ten championship game last year. You know, they lose at home to Purdue. Um, you know, it, it just seems like they can't get over that next step hump. Um, in terms of being a good team to to really great team and making uh, the the Big Ten title game, their schedule this year. Uh, well, first the odds for over six and a half is minus one forty. For under is um, plus one twenty. They lose a lot too. Um, you know yeah. they, they yeah. you lose your quarterback. A lot of those six years guys, Mo Ibrahim, uh, Tanner Morgan's the quarterback, uh, Chris Ottman Bell. You lose a lot. Uh, and then you lose some offensive linemen. Uh, anyway, their non-conference schedule, well, they open up uh, with Nebraska at home. 
but their non-conference schedule is Eastern Michigan at home. They have to go to North Carolina, which is tough. And they get um, Louisiana, uh, the Raging Cajuns at home. You're looking at best, you're going two and one in the non-conference. Their crossovers are Michigan and at Ohio State uh, and, and Michigan State at home. At best, you're probably going one and two there as well. So you're sitting at, you know, through six games, you're sitting at three wins. Uh, and then you have uh, the rest of the Big Ten West at at Northwestern, which should be a win. So that's four at Iowa. Tough game uh, at Purdue uh, toss up and Illinois at home. Um, you know, another toss up. So you're really, really pushing to get six and a half. I would probably lean on the under, um, especially if they can't beat Nebraska. Um, we'll see what Matt Rule does. It's a Thursday night opener on August 31st. But, you know, the, the number's so low because they got a real tough draw uh, out of the East, and they do have to go to a nationally ranked uh right now preseason nationally ranked North Carolina team I would lean the under you get good value there as well at plus 120 uh it just you know th there's a lot of change what's your take on Minnesota I'm all over the under all over it um you know we we discussed once that we would actually you know play actually bet on this is what I will bet on um I, I think that there were some offensive losses from an offense that wasn't particularly great, uh, ones that they're going to have a hard time replacing. I do not think that they have a good quarterback on the roster. Um, I think that there's a pretty low ceiling to what the offense can be, and I'm not convinced the defense is going to be enough to really overcome what is a very difficult schedule. Uh, you know, just look at the – Look at the non uh, the non ranked teams that they play. Uh, they have to go to Purdue, which is tough. Yep. They have to go to Iowa, which is going to be a very difficult game. Um, even you know, even the home game against Louisiana, uh, the Raging Cajuns, that's not a terrible program. Nope. So I think it's a it's a very difficult schedule that has very few games that you look at and say, oh, yep, that's an, that's an absolute W. Uh, and a lot, lot that you would look at and say, yeah, that, that's going to be really tough for them to win. Um, so I, I would look at Minnesota at the under, and the only way that I feel like you're going to lose that game is if they get overperformance at the quarterback position or – uh, if that defense is quite a bit better than what I expected uh, to be. So uh, I feel pretty confident about the Gophers under six and a half. Yeah, I do too. Look, definitely looking at that schedule and, and the season starts off with a big one with, in the Big Ten West with Nebraska and Minnesota. And, and, and I know it's yeah. the futures and you can't really take it after game one, but that that game will set the tone for both programs and how that season's going to be. If Matt Rule starts the, and we'll talk about Nebraska here in a second, uh, Matt Rule starts at the loss. You know, how patient are these Nebraska fans going to be, um, you know, going, going forward? And speaking of Nebraska, 
They're over under is set at six. Uh, they have not made a bowl game, I think, since 2016. So this would break that streak if they hit six. Uh, the over is set at minus 120. The under at plus 100. Their non-conference schedules are at Colorado, which will be a noon, big, big noon kickoff game. So the 10 a.m. kickoff local time in Colorado. You face NIU, um, NIU in uh, in Lincoln, and you get Louisiana Tech in Lincoln. The crossover games, and Nebraska's probably mad about it. Uh, you get Michigan at home. You have to go to Michigan State, and you get Maryland at home. You're probably looking going two and one at worst, one and two. Uh, I, I think I think Michigan State's very beatable this year, um, but that game is on the road, so maybe they go zero and three there. But your non-conference games, you, you, who knows what Colorado is going to look like? They have a whole new team, uh, and it's on the road. But you should beat NIU. You should beat Louisiana Tech, even though they're a pretty good program. Uh, that's a, at home, and you got to start winning those home games. So that's two. Um, Northwestern's at home is three. You get Purdue at home. It's a, a, a and then the the rest are toss ups. You got at Illinois, who has you know punked Nebraska the last couple of years. Um, at Michigan State, at Wisconsin, which is always tough. You got Maryland at home, and then to end the year, uh, Iowa. And Iowa is coming off a a season where they 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 lost to Nebraska, lost a bit chance of the Big Ten West title, and probably would like revenge there sticks. I, I kind of want to lean the under. Um, and I don't want to get my personal feelings in Nebraska on that. I'm not going to be upset if Nebraska does not win six games this year, but um, six is a pretty good number. It, it's one that I would think hard about betting just because it's, it's at that full number. That you have, if it was at five and a half, I bet the over. If it was at six and a half, I bet the under. But with the, at six, uh, you, you've got the push. What's your take on Nebraska? Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Uh, very interesting in terms of the start there. You know, you're you're starting at Minnesota, tough game. You're starting uh, or number two is going to be at Colorado, which uh, who knows? Like who knows? I mean. I Nobody knows they have, have 80, they have like 80 new players. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's really for both of these teams, it's just a big head scratcher. Now, Nebraska, certainly more retention and less roster turnover than Colorado had. Uh, you know, Jeff Sims coming in at quarterback, interesting addition. We'll see. I mean, he's a guy that uh, his name bounced around with Indiana some, uh, and it was one that I think we would have felt, you know, good about him coming, but it's not like there weren't question marks, uh, and we discussed those. You know, um, he's inconsistent, talented, and if Matt Rule can get the best of him, then Nebraska's a scary opponent. Eric yeah. Gilbert uh, transferred in at tight end. That's a big time weapon. Uh, lots of lots of guys back that you wonder. Hey, in a uh, stable environment with a really good development coach like Matt Rule, 
what do those guys look like? Because it's not like Nebraska has lacked talent. Uh, they're not the most talented team in the Big Ten West, but uh, they're certainly better than what they showed under Scott Frost in terms of talent. So I just think there's so many question marks that it'd be wise to stay away from it. Yep. Um, but I, I think that Nebraska fans, I would hope, um, I, I don't care what happens to Nebraska, but just from a fan enjoyment standpoint, I think that what they are probably looking looking for is progress, right? Year one, they're looking for progress and signs that, okay, we've got a guy that can get us on the right path. And we're on yeah. that path. We are improving. And you're going from, you know, you've got tests early and often, uh, but they're, they're winnable ones. At Minnesota, tough game, but winnable. At Colorado, tough game, but winnable. Northern Illinois, that's a competent opponent, you should win. Louisiana Tech, same thing. Competent, but you should win. Yep. So I think that they're going to be looking to see, okay, how is our team progressing? Are we making the same kind of late-game mistakes that plagued the Scott Frost era? Or is this truly a more buttoned-up operation uh, and we can start to feel good about ourselves going into the non-division era uh, of the Big Ten? So. I think that's what's Wisconsin or what Nebraska's looking for. It's not so much the the wins and losses number. Um, it, it's going to be more the uh, you know how the product looks on the field. Yeah, and you so, and you got. I think that's that's kind of my viewpoint there. Yeah, and if you're a Nebraska fan, you have to learn from the 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 past mistakes of fan bases at, at former powerhouse programs. You know, you look at, at Florida State, they fell off after Bobby Bout and, and after Jimbo Fisher. Uh, Texas is a classic example where it just – you saw improvement, but it wasn't good enough. And then, the, you know, the boosters get impatient and, and you're constantly switching coaches. Um, you know, Tennessee is another example after uh, Philip Fulmer. Just constant change. Uh, never had – like even though they, they had a really good year last year and and won the Orange Bowl, that it has been twenty years since they had a season like that. Um, you know, you they need to just be patient, and you know, you don't accept losing by being patient, but you got to let Matt Rule work. Um, and usually, his first year, especially at um, you, you know Baylor and Temple, uh, before his first years weren't great. I mean, they weren't even good, um, but then his second and third years are better. Uh, you kind of take it with a grain of salt, what he did in the NFL. Sometimes great college coaches don't pan out in the NFL. Look at Nick Saban. Uh, look at Pete Carroll. Uh, you know, Pete Carroll before the Seahawks um, and, and things like that. Uh, you know, Steve Spurrier uh, as well. So, you know, we'll see. And if, if I had any advice for, for Nebraska fans, just be patient because you don't want to go down the, the Texas road, the Tennessee road, the Miami road, you know, where, where those, they just never really got that magic back. Um, so we'll see. It is definitely a, an intriguing year for Nebraska, but it's a bet that I won't touch just because of the unknowns in, especially in that second game against 
against Colorado. But let's go to a relatively known um, and I in, in Northwestern. They're the lowest total in the Big Ten West and I think tied for the lowest total in the Big Ten. They're at three and a half. Both the over and the under carry minus 110. Um, Northwestern went one and 11 last year. They won the opener. It, it, they look good and competent and um, really physical. And maybe it could have been that even numbered year that Northwestern does well, except they lost at home to Duke. They lost to Southern Illinois at home in a game where Southern Illinois was up multiple scores basically throughout the second half uh, and, and things like that. And then it just all went downhill from there. And I can't believe I'm saying it, TJ, if you told me that there'd be some discussions and some questions about is Pat, does Pat Fitzgerald deserve to be on the hot seat at, at Illinois or sorry, at Northwestern, man, it's uh it's a discussion that people have to have because he, he's gone. I think he went three and nine in 2021, one and 11. And this year's schedule uh, probably does not do them very many favors in the non-conference. You get UTEP at Ryan field and Evanston. You have to go to Duke. Duke had a very good season last year. They returned their quarterback. Who's going to be really good. Um, and then you get Howard at home. Now you'd hope that Howard would be a win for Northwestern, but you just don't know. Um, you know, Northwestern lost to an FCS team last year. They opened the season uh, with a crossover opponent at Rutgers. That's going to be on a Sunday um, as well. Their other crossovers are Maryland and Penn State. You get Penn State at home. You get Maryland at home. That's not a terrible draw. If you were kind of picking them out of a hat and said, well, you have to play one of the big boys. Penn State's probably the one you take, and you take them at home. Um, and then you, you pick Maryland and, and Rutgers. It's not a terrible draw. Maybe they go one and two there. Uh, I just – I don't see four wins. That, you know, you get, Mar you get Minnesota at home as well. Uh, you have to go to Nebraska. You get Iowa at Wrigley Field. At Wisconsin, you get Purdue at home, and you have to go to Illinois. I don't see four wins. I would probably bet the under. Um, wh what do you think, TJ? I, I just don't see it. I don't see where Northwestern has improved after last year. I mean, Ben Bryant from Cincinnati is going to be the quarterback. I mean – that might get you one or two see. wins. That might, that might get you the win over Howard and the win over UTEP. Yeah. But and, and yeah, that's doubling but the win. That, but you still need it. two more two more wins. It, it's yeah, you know. I don't see that, it. So let's move on. Um, let's move on to Purdue. Purdue. Look, we all don't yeah. like Purdue for a lot of reasons, um, but their uh, their schedule is intriguing. Their over-under is set at five and a half. It's plus 110 for the yeah. over, uh, minus 130 for the under. Their non-conference schedule is dumb. Uh, it, it, I, I never understand how it, it is. If I was a Purdue fan, I'd be 
pulling my hair out with these non-conference schedules. You get Fresno State, uh, who's not a pushover uh, to open the season at Ross Aid. You have to go to Virginia Tech, uh, which is always a tough road game, no matter how good or bad Virginia Tech is. You bring in Syracuse at home, who Purdue probably should have beat last year, but had a total meltdown um, in the in the fourth quarter with penalties and all that stuff. So your crossovers are Ohio State at home, at Michigan, and then Indiana at home. Quite possibly the worst draw um, in the West in terms of get you know you're always going to play Indiana. So you you pull Ohio State and Michigan in the same year, um, not great, especially in the first year of a coach. So five and a half. You'd think that they go one and two. Uh, in the non-conference, maybe two and one. If you could beat Syracuse, um, that's two wins there. Uh, Northwestern is three, but it's at Northwestern. Um, and then you got to find three more wins. Uh, or you, you get Illinois at home, uh, Wisconsin at home, even though Wisconsin has been Purdue's bugaboo, you know, for the, for the last 20 years. Every time Purdue has a good team and and they, they have had some really good teams, uh, you know, under Jeff Brown, they could never get over the Wisconsin hump. Um, you get them at home. That's a night game on a Friday night in September. Uh, you have to go to Nebraska. You get Minnesota at home, which is a matchup game. And and then Indiana at, at, at home as well. It's You got to find three more wins there. And I don't know if – if you beat Illinois, I don't know. You're not going to Iowa and beating Iowa. You're not beating Ohio State. You're not beating Michigan at the big house. So can you beat Nebraska in Lincoln? Um, can you beat Minnesota at home? And can you beat IU at home? And, you know, I, I am not going to bet on Purdue just because I'm an IU alum and I'm not – I can't bet the over. And five and – can they get six wins? Sure. But um, I, I'm going to stay away from from Purdue at, at minus. There's no value on betting the under either at minus 130. Uh, other than, hey, Purdue didn't win five games. And the more that Purdue loses, uh, you get that value in, I guess, happiness and joy as an IU, uh, as an IU fan. What are your takes on Purdue? It, it's so tough because it's obviously going to be a much different system under Ryan Walters than it was under Jeff Brom, but, uh, you know, the offensive coordinator hire makes you think that he's going to continue to kind of lean towards the same type of pass heavy offense that Brom did. Um, obviously you're right. The schedule, uh, non-conference wise doesn't make any sense. Why are you playing at Virginia tech? Why are you playing Syracuse? Um, even Fresno State, that game doesn't really make much sense. There's not anything in terms of a recruiting advantage to playing a team like that as opposed to like a Ball State. Um, but beyond that, welcome to Indiana's life. You have to play Ohio State and Michigan. You start the season with two losses. Welcome. It's not fun. In addition to that, you're playing at Iowa. It's incredibly tough. 
You mentioned yep. the games against Wisconsin uh, that, that has been really difficult for the Boilers. So um, a lot of things have to go right for Purdue to do much better than six and six. A lot has to go right. And to hit the over, you're counting on uh, a pretty quick adjustment for the new coaching staff and the players. You're counting on a replacement of a lot of talent, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, They lost a lot up front and in the secondary from a defense that was pretty good. Uh, And then you're having to hope that Hudson Card is an above average, you know, to good quarterback. That's what they're going to need in order just to get the six wins. And you don't have uh, Charlie Jones. Safer play. Yeah, yeah. So going back and watching Purdue games. Play, from... Yeah, go ahead, finish. I think the safer play is the under. Um, I don't feel as confident in that as I do in uh, Minnesota and Northwestern going under. Uh, because I think there are more variables that are in Purdue's favor than you see with the Wildcats or uh, or the Gophers, but I still uh, I, I would I would play the under if I was betting this one, and a lot of it is due to that schedule. Yeah, it's the schedule's tough. You also you know Charlie Jones. If you go back and watch the Purdue games yeah. from last year. Charlie Jones is unbelievable, and he bailed out that offense time and time again uh, with big plays. He was unguardable in a lot of, in a lot of games. That aspect uh, is gone. He he was a special uh, player. It seems that Purdue always has that one or two wide receivers that you know when you need a big play, you chuck it up there, and, and whether it's Rondell Moore. David Bell, Charlie Jones recently, they go up and get it. Um, you also lose Payne Durham. Uh, he was a, a really nice tight end for them as well. It's is with the coaching change and the turnover and talent, what's the rebound going to look like? And, and yeah, I if I'm betting it, I, I would bet the under and not just because I'm an IU guy and would you know, if Purdue's win total was set at zero, I would still probably bet the under um, just because. But that's not the reason uh, for this. It's a tough, tough schedule. And you're you're turning over a, now a first-time coach. You're bringing Graham Harrell as offensive coordinator. You kind of, like, broke the mold at Purdue. You, you went defense as a head coach, which I, in my memory they haven't done. Um, and you're just, you know, you all, when you think of Purdue, you think of the Joe Tiller basketball and turf and, you know, kind of Jeff Brom was the, the second version of that. And we'll see how they adjust. Let's move on to our final team of the day at Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin's over under is set at eight and a half. Um, the over is at minus 125, the under at plus 105. Um, they too are going under a coaching change, although Luke Fickle was kind of embedded in that program uh, for the bowl season. He comes in from Cincinnati. 
they bring in Tanner Mordecai, who's got to be a better quarterback than Graham uh, Graham Mertz. Uh, although there there have been people I, I talked to who thought Graham Mertz is you know they had Ohio State shaking in their boots, which you know m- maybe because the fans would get hit by a ball when he throws. But um, Tanner Mordecai was at SMU. He, he's he's decent. You know, decent enough, uh, played really well against AAC competition. If you watch his game against Maryland, made some great plays. Also has a turn the ball over a lot. So uh, Wisconsin's always going to be the run, running the ball well. Uh, Jalen Berger, um, not Jalen Berger, sorry. Uh, their running back's really good um, as well. The defense is always stout. Uh, can they take that next step under Luke Fickle, or is it going to be a year of transition? That's the question. Their schedule is not awful. You get Buffalo at home. You do have to go out to Washington state, which is a tough trip for any big 10 team to go out West. Uh, It's a game that Wisconsin lost last year. A lot of self-inflicted wounds there. Uh, You get Georgia Southern at home that, Georgia Southern went into Nebraska and knocked off Nebraska last year. They're not an easy team to play either. Then you go uh, at Purdue, you get Rutgers in a crossover at home. You get Iowa at home. You have to go to Illinois. You get Ohio State at home. Indiana, you have to travel to. Um, They haven't lost Indiana in Bloomington since like 2002. Uh, you, you get Northwestern at home, Nebraska at home, and then you, you're at Minnesota. Kind of want to lean the over here. The only losses you really see uh, is is Ohio State. Really, is the only one you could put in pen. Um, you know, the the ones that you say lean loss is at Washington State, and even then, you're sitting at ten and two, and you know, you got to be happy as Wisconsin, you get Iowa at home. Uh, and, you know, depending on how Minnesota looks, they're rebuilding, getting them on the road is fine. And then you get Nebraska at home too. So to me, eight and a half. Yeah, it's right for the over to be favored. Um, that's a lot of wins for a first year coach, but uh, Luke Fickle took Cincinnati to, to the playoff, had, had a couple really, really nice seasons there as well. Uh, what can he do at Wisconsin and can they, you know, rebound from, from last year uh, with no hiccups in a transition year? What's your take on Wisconsin, TJ? Well, the offensive coordinator hire was the most fascinating part of this to me. Luke Fickle goes and hires Phil Longo, uh, practitioner of the air raid and, Everything you thought you knew about Wisconsin football has changed. Um, And that's going to be an interesting transition. Defensively, I don't expect much of a change. I mean, Luke Fickle does a really good job coaching defense. You feel comfortable about that transition. Offensively, I mean, it's totally different. It's completely different. And how quick that transition occurs goes a long way towards what you think Wisconsin's going to look like and the success they're going to have uh, this season. Long term, 
I think it's a terrific hire for Wisconsin. I think Luke Fickle will do a really good job there. I don't know what the ceiling is, but they're going to be good pretty much every year. I think you can say that confidently. Um, this season, Braylon Allen is the running back you were talking about. Yep. He's really good. You feel good about the offensive line. Tanner Mordecai probably going to be the quarterback. They brought in several through the transfer portal, which was interesting. Not sure what they're going to do with all those guys, but that's their problem to figure out. I think that the base talent level of this offense is much higher um, than it was previously. I, I just don't know how quickly they are going to successfully transition to this new style of offense. I think the transfer portal definitely helps in that you can get an immediate infusion of guys that understand what it is you're trying to do on offense, guys that are coming from systems that are very similar to what Phil Longo wants to run. Um, so you, you, mesh, you mesh that with the, the offensive line that Wisconsin has in place, uh, and the running backs that Wisconsin has in place, the tight ends that the Badgers have in place, and see what you come up with. I think overall, I feel like it's a pretty good mix, plus a good draw on the schedule. Ohio State's the only game that really jumps out as, hey, that's a loss. Um, so with this open at nine, uh, the over-under opened at nine wins. It dropped down to eight and a half. I would be very scared to play it at nine, but at eight and a half, I'd go over. Uh, for me, and we don't need to make division picks yet. We're not to that point. A lot can change between now and the start of the season. Yep. But I'm I'm going to be choosing between Iowa and Wisconsin uh, for who I think comes out on top in the Big Ten West. Um and you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how things play out between now and the start of the season. Injuries and you know, buzz that you get from camps and inside reports from uh, you know from the beat guys that are covering the teams, uh, like our site for Indiana or like Matt Weaver for Indiana. You can pick up a lot of information and kind of hone in on what you think is going to happen. Uh, but I can tell you, I think that Iowa and Wisconsin are the class of this division. I don't think either one is at all a college football playoff threat. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody from this division would even threaten to make a 12-team playoff. And that's why the divisions have to die, and I'm glad that they are. But I do think that there's a, a pretty solid group of teams here with Iowa and Wisconsin standing out. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things – I wouldn't – the defense is going to have to adjust too uh, because they're going to run an up-tempo offense, which they haven't right. They haven't done it in a, in a while um, or at all. Uh, it, it's going to take an adjustment. The defense has to be – you know, look, they're college football players. They're in better shape than me. But they're going to have to be conditioned to – have those quick bursts of energy and recover quicker. Uh, so it's definitely a different type of defense, you know, just a different type of stress 
that's going to be put on the defense. You're not going to have an offense that's going to just grind the ball down um, and, and give, you know, and take four or five minutes off the clock to, to run down, um, you, you know, to, to give the defense a rest. It's, that's just not going to happen. So how does the defense adjust to that? Again, schedule's very manageable. So they, they have, you know, outside of the, the trip to Washington state, you got a pretty easy, you know, pretty manageable first four games before your bye week. Uh, and, and then you get Rutgers coming out of the bye week before getting into the the rest of, you know, the schedule, the meat of the schedule. And you don't have back-to-back backbreakers um, like, like a lot of teams in the East have. You know, you play Iowa, then you go to Illinois. You get Ohio State, then you go to Indiana, and then Northwestern. It's just – Thank God that the divisions are over because this, you know, the the lack of competitive balance between the East and the West. If you put in the if you put Wisconsin in the East, it's no doubt under eight wins team, but they're in the West and, and I, I you lean towards over eight and a half because there's nine wins. You know, it's you have one basically guaranteed loss, and now you still have three to play with or two to play with um, and things like that. So I take the over on, on Wisconsin. Um, any other IU news that, that we have to talk about before uh, getting, getting out of here, TJ? No, no. I think uh, our plan here, just for our listeners to know, obviously we're going to uh, dive into the big Ten East next. That's going to be, hopefully uh, next week and we will uh, knock that out and from there, you know, we'll start to take a look at, uh, at other conferences and um, begin to, to go through things. And then of course, as we get a little closer, begin our IU specific position previews, opponent previews, that type of thing. Um, and of course, if there's any big college football news that, that breaks, um, between now and then we'll, we'll discuss here on the podcast, but, um, I, I don't know if it's just the different TV contract or, or what, but, you know, just looking at the schedule and thinking about, uh, Indiana playing a game on CBS, like that's, that's just gotta be pretty fired up. I, I'm, I know it won't probably go all that well given the opponent but uh, I think it's going to be a, a whole lot of fun um, to see the Hoosiers in that environment and uh, it, it's something that they should have no problem keeping themselves motivated with what's coming up to start the season all throughout these long summer workouts they got going on. Yeah for IU it's you know playing on CBS um you know, growing up, that that's always the music is fantastic. The intros to the game are fantastic. It was always what the biggest, you know, best games were on. We're on CBS in the afternoon, whether it's in the SEC or you go way back when, and and it had other conferences. But you know, you just queue up that CBS uh, college football theme, and and you'll fire anybody up who's a college football fan. Um, yeah, no other news right now. Um, you know, we talked to Matt Weaver last week. He said be on the lookout for some commitments in the next couple of weeks as official visits start happening. 
Uh, they're going on now. It sounds like everything is going pretty well for IU in that regard. Um, other than that, yeah, we'll get into Big Ten East, Big Ten West uh, previews. Uh, our IU offense, defense, and special teams previews. As always, we're doing the countdown to, to kickoff on day 79 today. We're heading into offense alignment row. Everybody's favorite to, to write about are the offensive line. Uh, getting into those guys uh, as well, we'll get into team previews uh, and game previews later in the summer, uh, kind of switching up timing this year. Uh, and condensing it. But as always, come back to HoosierHuddle.com. Follow us on uh, Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Subscribe to the podcast on, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, the RSS feed as well. Uh, rate us, uh, you know, give us a thumbs up if, if you like. Don't forget, you could drop questions in the comments as well. Um, just we're – we're getting there. It's we're under 80 days for, for college football, uh, for IU football, less than that for college football with week zero. So I don't want to wish the summer away, but college football is coming up fast. There is no off season anymore. So uh, thanks for joining us, DJ. Uh, thanks for joining us as well. We'll be back doing the, the big 10 East uh, win totals as well here in the next week. So if you're looking to bet on the big 10 East, we'll get to that here in the next couple of days. Uh, thanks. Have a great, um, great weekend. Great Father's Day as well. And uh, enjoy. Thanks. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So... Do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.